You're listening to an episode from Season 2 of The Player's Voice, a podcast brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association. Just search for The Player's Voice wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll find plenty more conversations like these. Enjoy! Welcome to the latest episode of The Player's Voice, where this week we are joined by Claire Camogie star Chloe Mori and former Tyrone player Gemma Begley who is now the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Manager with the Gaelic Players Association. My name is Alan O'Mara. I'm the host of this podcast, a former Gavin goalkeeper, and now a performance and wellbeing consultant with sports and business leaders around the world. During this chat, Chloe and Gemma outline why female inter-county football and camogie teams will play the remainder of their 2023 championships under protest. They explain why players feel disrespected by the GA, the LGFA and Camogie Association as well as the need for a centralised player charter agreement to protect player welfare. They discuss why players have run out of patience and are unified now behind the need to build a better future. The Player's Voice is brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. The podcast series is part of Bio360, a GPA programme that empowers inter-county players across four key areas. Life skills, well-being, dual career and transitions. Please go to bio360.gaelicplayers.com to learn more. To find out more about me and my work as a performance and wellbeing consultant, please go to www.realtalks.e. But for now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Player's Voice with Chloe Mori and Gemma Begley. Gemma Begley, Chloe Mori, you're very welcome to the Player's Voice. Thanks for joining me. Hey Al, how's it going? Thanks Alan. So Gemma, I'll start with you. Um, so at this point, like most people will have heard or know that last week players came together for a press event to basically state that they're playing under protest in the championship over the course of this summer. So I suppose I'll just start with you in terms of just kind of helping anyone listening to understand why that's happening or and how that came about. Um, yeah, so um, that was on Monday past. Um, the 24 senior captains, that's 12 Camogie and 12 ladies football player uh, captains, came together um, basically just to, to underline the call for implementation of minimum standards of sort of care and welfare for the female players um, looking ahead to the 2024 season. Um, so it's well established on the male side in Gaelic Games that there's a charter, as it's known, as this sort of centralised contract that's in place. Um, and that just um, guarantees that all players, I suppose, regardless if you're playing in Division 1 or Division 4, that there's a there's a basic minimum standard that you you know you're going to get for playing at Intercounty. Um, and I suppose the players would probably feel now that integration is on a, a pathway. Um, integration of the three associations, that's the GA, the LGFA and Camogie, um, it's 18 months now since the, the motion was um, supported, suppose, overwhelmingly by the, the membership of the three associations. And there's no real tangible progress on the ground for players. Um, and the players' playing career so so short as it is um, that I suppose there's probably just a sense of frustration, um, maybe around the expectation around change. And um, we're very understanding that integration is complex and will take time. Um, but I suppose there's there's probably just that the players aren't going to accept that in the meantime, there can't be progress on improving them standards for the female players. So um, that's where it got to. And I suppose the, the state of play report was was released earlier in the year. Um, the details of that were presented to the three associations collectively. 
the ask was made for the associations to sit down with players and discuss um, solutions towards a charter. Um, and I suppose the, the response was uh, basically not until after integration, which is an indefinite period of time at best. That could take five, ten years. So that's, I suppose, when the players, um, that was relayed to the players, it was just probably a sense of that isn't good enough. Um, we, we want to take a stand on that and we want to, to try and call for some action ahead of the 2024 season because now is the time for change. Okay, so that's a good overview to kind of get us get this conversation rolling. And I kind of pick into you said there, Gemma, uh, that you know, eighteen months ago, integration was voted for overwhelmingly, and then the state of play report was presented nine weeks ago or ten weeks ago. So then, Chloe, what's it like from a player's perspective to hear then that people saying, you know, this is not going to happen until integration happens and hearing timelines of five years or ten years? And you're obviously an active player now. You're getting ready to play championship. Like, how? What was your initial feeling and response to that that update? Like, what my fifteen years of playing, um, it's kind of been the same. Fire the government grants, which have been a huge help, but like that's something we've been hearing now for the last oh geez, I sure I don't know how many years. Um, like it's I suppose was it in twenty sixteen the government grants came in, which is a. Um, a system where the GPA advocated for got us um, on par with government grants in terms of funding for teams, which has been a huge, huge help. I would hate to see where we are in 2023 if we didn't have that, because I remember before that things were um, in a pitiful state. But um, like things are, even with this um, at the moment, we're still having huge problems. And I'm sure you've heard stories. And I think it's actually at the point now where people are hearing so much news stories about this that it's actually become a thing ingrained in people's heads where, well, this is very normal. Um, so, oh, well, put up and shut up. Um, and that's the feeling even from Monday. And I think um, the women we met on Monday, when all of us came together, I think we were being very polite about it. And I think it's like a female thing to be, oh, we don't want to give out too much about this now, but, you know, we're having problems with access to pitches or I had to go buy my own county gear last week or I have to pay for physio myself or I actually can't afford the surgery I need. I have to wait till next year. And we're all like, oh, that'll have to do. But um, I think what we saw on Monday was a group of people coming together and going, do you know what, this just isn't good enough for us and this won't be good enough for people um, who are looking to play county or people coming in behind us. Um, I think I mentioned that like we're going around to clubs and to schools and you know to young girls and you want them to play county but the environment that we're in now it's kind of like two-sided you're like well I hope you have money if you want to play county and I don't think that's a right mind frame for your national sports that if you want to play it's a Camogie ladies Gale football at the highest level that you should have money you have to have money to do that I'm afraid whereas someone, you know, your male counterpart will get looked after in terms of his welfare. He's cared for, and I would say almost just like a human. Um, it's an honour and privilege to pay for your county um, and we'll just make sure you're not out of pocket. There's nobody making money off it. We're not trying to make money off it. It is literally just to make sure you're not out of pocket for playing your national sport. Like, obviously, I can I can sense the frustration there, Chloe, and, and like, you know, we've all heard those horror stories um, and just those lack... I suppose, lack of standards being met. And then, Gemma, for you, like, obviously, you're working with the GPA. Like, what was it like to be together as a group like that on Monday, I suppose, 
probably at a time where it should all be happy and people should be getting ready for their big games and in the good weather and getting ready to perform. Um, what was the kind of mood like there from a wider sense on Monday to, to have to do a press event like that? Yeah. Um, it was sort of a mix of, of feelings, probably. There was um, there was a great buzz of energy, I think, was one thing. Um, there was obviously a, a sort of a disappointment, nearly. But I can, I suppose I've been at this now for eight years, like, and, you know, the reason I got involved in the first place was probably born out of frustration at a lot of the same problems. Um, so I can sense a shift in attitude amongst the players. It's gone from uh, helplessness nearly, or like um, not not feeling like they they're empowered to ha- to be able to make a change to to just not accepting it anymore, and um, it's probably gone from from nearly sort of pity to empowerment is the best way to describe it. So um, I suppose it was it probably just underlines the seriousness of it in mid championship that all of the senior captains were willing to make themselves available on a. Monday afternoon to join their counterparts um, at a time when you're getting lumps out of each other on the pitch, I suppose. And there was teams that played against each other on the day before that, I suppose, and they were comparing bruises in the in the room. So um, it, it did just underline how serious the, the solidarity is amongst the teams um, and how much they mean it, I suppose, that's how much they're invested in it on this occasion. So... Um, and I think I think um, I think the girls all spoke very clearly, and and there was there was a great sort of um, united message there that the solutions there. That's the frustrating thing. The solutions are there, and I suppose it's just the the frustration of not being able to move that along to this point. Um, I suppose the players are willing to to make a stand and say that they they'll do whatever they can to to prompt action. And so you said there, Gemma, that, you know, the solution is there. So for anyone listening that's not tuned into this or hasn't been fully plugged into what's been going on, can you kind of give us an overview of what that solution looks like and then kind of what what needs to happen here? Yeah, well, it's probably, I'm probably not being deliberately obtuse on that, on the point, but uh, the, the solutions are there that we want to explore. Um, it's not all financial either. I suppose there's logistical and practical things the three associations, the GA, the LGP and Camogie, are on a pathway to integration. We know that's going to happen. There's solutions already happening at club level with the one club models. Um, there's there's committees working together across the three associations. There's Gaelic Games pathways being developed. There's coaching and education being developed across the three associations. There's There's linkages across the three associations already happening. And I suppose all we want to do is sit around the table with the three associations to figure out the solutions the is it if it's central procurement, if it's cost saving in one area that we can redistribute funds, if it's um whatever it is, it's, you know, sort of everything's on the table to try and come up with solutions. Obviously, the financial side of it is is one aspect, but there's so much more to be explored um in terms of the charter is the the sort of template document to work from, if you like, where the the lads have them agreed standards across specific areas. Um, but I suppose within that, how we get to, to being able to deliver on that for the female players, that's the bit we want to explore. This, the ask is very simple. It's just to sit around the table and start talking about it. Okay. And then like, yeah. and I, so I'll come to the player charter in a moment because it, it is something that, you know, that phrase is thrown around sometimes and people don't fully understand kind of what it is and kind of what that entails. But Chloe, I was going to ask you first, like as Gemma's talking there, as an active player, GA family, been in it all your life, like, how frustrating is it to hear that like there's a lack of engagement around, I suppose, 
female intercounty players. Like it seems like from what Gemma said there, there already is engagement and interactivity in terms of other issues, in terms of that integration process. But there seems to be kind of, well, actually this one can wait for a couple of years even though they're already working together on other stuff. I don't know if, if I fully picked that up right, Gemma, and if I haven't, please jump in. But I suppose from a player's perspective, Chloe, I'm kind of curious as to what it's like as a player to hear that lack of kind of willingness to work together to solve this quickly. Yeah, that's, that's kind of it. It's almost like uh, we don't really care for, you know, your welfare at the moment, even though there's facts and figures to back up what we're saying. It almost feels like they think, oh, they're making this up, but... You know, we've we've I think we've been very quiet for and we've been very polite about it, I'd like to say, for the last number of years. And I think even the way we're going about it now, we're as Gemma said, we're we we just want them to try get into a room and just explore, she says, the solutions um to this player's charter. Um it's not demand, 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 but I think the frustration now is boiling over and it's um like we're as we said, we're playing under protest, so we're bringing this into um or playing careers and not just maybe talking about it um like you've kind of alluded to there I suppose um Shane I would be my cousin and he's probably well known for his role with the Clare Hurlers at the moment um and it's just difficult I suppose to look at um and I and we don't want to come across as arrogant or anything but I feel like um I probably give I would say just as much as Shane would like I'm not sure if people understand that you know, our training week would look pretty similar to a male's intercounty team. Like I could give you a run through of my week on Monday. I was up um up in the with the media day for the uh, players' protests. Um I came down to La Hinch um for a light recovery session at seven o'clock um with the Clare team. On Tuesday we had training, we trained for two hours. Um then on Wednesday you could do your own gym session. On Thursday, we're training again um, collectively for two hours. That was last night. Today is a rest day, thank God. Saturday, you have to go do your own sprints, wall ball or gym session. And on Sunday, I have to train again. So, um, And I'm very lucky that I've been asked to play and it is my choice to play. But it would be great if I wasn't out of pocket for doing so, um, as opposed to maybe Shana, who isn't. And he'd have no problem saying that. He's, he's very supportive of what we're doing. And I think that's important. But... Um, it's at the point now where, um, and where we use politically correct language. It's 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 just I, it's kind of scandalous at this point how they haven't figured out. Do you know what? This just isn't good enough. If these players have said, and if there's facts and figures to back up what they're saying, that their welfare is in jeopardy, or there's girls deciding not to play intercounty camogie or ladies football, how do we stop that? What are the solutions? Um, it almost feels like people think we're giving out all the time, but. Actually, I think we've been very polite about the whole thing. Um, and I don't think that's going to last much longer, to be honest with you. Yeah, like you, you, I know you said the word polite a couple of times, Chloe, as we're talking and like to kind of put that aside, like it's it's fair to say that players are just fed up at this point and like to come together on Monday like you did. And, you know, I think it was alluded to in the press release regarding like the women's Irish soccer team and rugby, the rugby team who've gone through their own frustrations. Like it's kind of that do you feel like it's that moment to kind of draw a line in the sand and say like, we just need to do better. And like, there's multiple ways to configure it out, but just that there's a sense from players that this needs to change and not in five years, but this needs to change now. Oh, absolutely. Like it's, look, if we're calling a spade, it's scandalous. Like how, how it's gone on this long, even with the facts and figures in front of them. Like, and I know what they're saying it, it is scandalous. And 
there's nobody coming out explaining really properly why when we've come up with solutions to it. And I suppose this idea of, and you'll see it a lot on social media recently, well, we're separate organisations, but we're not really anymore because we've all voted, the membership has voted that we want integration to happen. And it's really, it's a, it's a mindset change that people have to be willing to, you know, to change their mindset to go, right, we voted for um, the three organisations to be one. How would we now work as a unit together instead of still thinking that we're separate? We're not. We're like I've always felt I'm part of the Gaelic Games family. I've never just thought I'm a camogie player. That's it. I feel I'm part of the Gaelic Games family, and this just feels like well, you're not as important because you're women, and that's just it. And like there's been loads of different talk as well about generating money, and I think I said it during the week in one of the interviews. Sport isn't just about generating money; it transcends that. It's much more important than that. We have girls dropping out of sport from early on and we're being asked to be role models. And I think I carry myself, my inter-county female and male counterparts carry themselves um, really, really well. And like, what are we telling young girls? Well, if you have money, you'll be able to play. But if you don't, you may as well go choose another sport. But um, things like drastically have to change and they actually have to change within the next few weeks. There has to be like we have the solutions, we like we want to be involved in positive change, but the pace of it at the moment is just way too slow, and that's why we've resorted to what we've resorted to this week. Uh, Gemma, what's it like? I don't know, like your day to day. You you'd have heard this for years, but I suppose just as Chloe's talking to us right there, like what's it like for you sitting there, kind of hearing that level of frustration? You know, seeing Chloe's body language change and just that frustration really build up. Like, what's that like for you? Uh, well, it's tough. Like it's um, challenging. It's tough. Uh, I suppose that's why I got involved in the first place. But so it's it's par for the course. It's uh, part of the job, if you like. Um, I suppose there's always something. You know, there's always there's a there's different player challenges, whether it's in their own personal lives or on the playing field um, collectively. Um, but I suppose, like in one sense, it's it's good that the players are actually able to harness it on this occasion and not just feel helpless so uh, that's what I said in one sense it's a positive that there's actually a a kind of a movement on it now Um, and hopefully I suppose if if you can kind of channel that in in the right way and and hopefully use it to bring about a positive resolution that's all the players want so we're we're trying to, to as I say really specifically channel and focus that energy and then am I right in saying from just obviously I've been listening to different interviews over the last week and reading the press release and stuff that you kind of feel like the next important milestone here and the next thing box that needs to be checked is the player's charter. Um, and if that's correct, then kind of tell us a little bit more about what that looks like and what that needs to entail to meet these kind of standards and to, I suppose, proactively deal with issues that players are dealing with at the moment. Yeah, that's it. And that's what I'm saying. The template is there. The model is there. Um, not saying exactly to replicate that, I suppose, but even to start sort of looking at that as a starting point um, for discussions. Um, what's what's contained within the, the player charter on the male side at the minute is that the, the lads are all guaranteed travel expenses. Um, they also get a weekly nutrition allowance. They get boots um, guaranteed. They get their training gear and playing gear and probably some leisure wear guaranteed in terms of the the gear, um, the meals after training and their nutrition looked after, um, strength and conditioning coaching and gym access. Um, I suppose that's all guaranteed. Um, and things like nutritionist support, sports psychology support, things like that. And then like 
other things such as match tickets. Now that's not I'm not saying like copy and paste job, but that's the starting point. Here are the areas that we we would like to, I suppose, look after for the female players. There's probably things that are more like you or almost do a list of priority in that. Um, the S and C and the physio are two big things, I suppose, particularly on the female side. Um, I suppose something probably is uh, definitely needs more research on is that the the whole notion of the the female athletic development um, and the socialization of when the girls start strength training to build them into robust athletes to prevent things like ACL issues that are more prevalent in female athletes currently. That that there all needs to to start a process that we're we're having girls that are coming in ready to play um the the adult level of the intercounty game. Um, because at the minute it's a very, very quick transition and players are probably throwing in a bit um underdeveloped almost. Um so that would help things like prevent your injuries and then you mm-hmm. have less physio bills and then you have less surgery costs. So it's it's a, a self-fulfilling cycle, if you like. The travel expenses, I suppose, is well documented. The, the uh, girls driving from Dublin to Galway or from even within the county of Cork or within the county of Donegal, um, it's a big expense. There are t- there are government grants, just to acknowledge, on a, on a team grant that helps boost um, some of them supports and that's reflected in the figures at present. And some of that does help cover some of the player expenses, but I suppose we do need to get to the point where there's direct mileage covered um, so that girls aren't out of pocket for fuel and for wear and tear on the car and whatever else. Um, and then the other supports, I suppose, did mention the in the state of play report as well, some of the things that are covered around the female-specific issues. They do have more issues with um, their nutritional uh, requirements their menstrual cycle, there's additional need for nutrition supports. Uh, something like 80% of players don't have access to a team doctor. The, the need is probably even greater on the female side for things like that where they need help with the menstrual cycle, um, their nutrition, things like um, red S, um, energy availability, um, all of that's and the, the emotional impact that has on female players, just the fact that there are more pressure on them to work part-time jobs, so there's more time demands on them. 40, I think it's 43% of female players are students compared to 24% of male players. So um, they're generally less well off. So um, I suppose just anything to help alleviate the, the emotional impact of, of the pressures that they feel as a result of their intercounty activity as well needs to be addressed. So it's very wide ranging. Um, the charter is, a, as I say, a starting point for the discussions um, and something we'd like to, to work on with the associations. And just so, just so kind of and clear as well, like there's no charter, there's no standardized charter across the board right now. And as of right now, conversations you've tried to advance or tried to set up to discuss the creation of one and the implementation of one from next season onwards have not been forthcoming. Is that no, the lay of the land? No. That's it. Basically, up to now, the the female uh, management county board and player reps in each team have been able to sit down at the start of the year and say. Here's what we're going to try and implement this year. We can use the, the government team grant that we have and we'll try and get whatever else. But there's nothing to say X, Y and Z is what you're required to deliver for your players. And the, the, the funding, some sort of centralised funding or solution is there to help you guarantee them minimum standards. Um, and that's probably something as well that re- was reflected on Monday. It's not an attack on county boards as such. There's an awful positive sentiment amongst the girls that's we know an awful lot of county board volunteers are doing their best within very challenging um, situations and 
Um, I suppose would like to see more support for them as well because that naturally has a positive knock-on effect for management and players and keeping players playing is one of the biggest priorities and I suppose if the more positive an experience they can have the better the, the player attention will be so at the minute up to now there's nothing uh, binding if you like um, it's just been whatever the player the management and county board can agree um, informally at the start of the year yeah, so then I'm I'm sure that obviously means then those standards vary greatly between certain squads because it's just and then maybe one squad has a great year and gets stuff that they want, but then the next year if there's a manager change or a chairperson change that that can be ripped up and you're almost starting again and having to waste time and energy constantly on that kind of negotiating for the basics. Is that kind of what is going on, Chloe or Gemma? Um, yeah, well, from my experience, I've probably been in those meetings for the last few years. Um, I would say more recently, we're probably lucky and clear that we have a chairperson and a county board and a manager wanting to prog- progress those things and trust in the players and saying the players have told us this is what they need. Um, but it falls short in terms like their hands are tied. We have sponsorship and we have the government grants. Um and I've no bother saying it, we've probably, I think we have our third or fourth fundraiser coming up in the next few weeks where we're directly involved with senior players trying to figure out how we're going to get more money just to try to finish out or last the season. And that's on top of girls having jobs and things like that. So, um, but like that could change. And I've been in meetings where, um, or there's other girls been in meetings and you have, you know, county board or you have saying we can't actually facilitate that because we don't have um, that money, which is, like as we've said, the county board, I think their hands are tied um, to a point, but that can change with, you know, a management, a county board. So really what we're looking for is it's, you know, m- minimum standards, like minimum. I think that's you know, across the board from county to county, but within a county set up as well from year to year. So that those basic, very basic needs are met um, for every um, inter-county female athlete. Okay. Yeah, I'd, pro- I'd probably just follow that as well, saying that um, that's that's it. Like, it's the volatility at the minute, um, and I suppose once once players have had a really good experience, it's very frustrating to go backwards, um, and that's probably where an awful lot of the the issues sometimes arise from. Um, and just the, on terms of the figures as well, like that's an average. So generally, the the junior stroke intermediate teams. Um, can be worse off than that, and there's some teams that are really good in the areas that they can control. Um, they're doing their best, as I say, and then there's just other things that it's just the supports aren't there or the resources aren't there. Um, and that's where we would like to see maybe a bit of a prompt from a centralised agreement to help raise them standards to to help to make everyone more competitive and to make the game more collectively healthy as a whole. Because like, I think it's fair to say, like, obviously, in some ways, trying to bring all this together is complex but I suppose when I go back to like you said earlier Gemma that the one club model exists and has been rolled out and there's ways practically that people can start working together to make this easier but that one county model doesn't exist right um and while the LGFA and the Camogie Association and the GA I think we all would understand and recognize that that does take time to bring this together to stitch it together properly for the whole organization to go into the future, you know, in a good standing and to really evolve and to go to a better place. But I suppose in terms of this conversation and this chat, I would ask you about like, why, what's the reluctance or why are they reluctant to deal with this issue right now? Because I just think like, 
listening to Chloe, listening to you, Gemma, like it's so obvious that we talk, if you talk about inclusivity and equality and Chloe, you're like a even easier example because you work with Shane every day and talk every day. So you can actually see the disparity. Um, and I mean that in a nice way, like not like it's, it gets right there in front of you and you're dealing with that every day and feeling like that. And I go back to what you said earlier about, you know, grew up always feeling part of the GA family, but then certain stuff like this makes you feel alienated or not as included. Um, so it was, why do you, like, why do you think there's, is that reluctance to work together on this to get it sorted? Sorry, I thought you were going to jump in there, Chloe. Um, I, I'll let you go, Gemma, there first. Yeah, <laughs> you can play. Um, it's pro- I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It just seems obvious. Um, there may be negotiations going on within the integration process. I don't know. We're not obviously privy to that um, and respect the work the integration committee is doing, but that's a separate issue. Um, there's no there's no reason, I suppose, not to do this at this point. And I suppose the, you mentioned there just about the one county model. County is the area where there's the biggest squeeze on the female players because club players, there's the chance there to work in a one club model so you generally get access to your own club pitch, um, hopefully in most of the more progressive clubs that are doing the one club model well. At national level, as I say, there's committees and there's courses and there's programs happening where there's all three associations working together. It's very, very rare, I suppose, at county level where there's there's meaningful level of crossover and sharing of resources. Um, and that's probably the, the nature of the inter-county mail um, codes as well. That's, I suppose it's so driven and so competitive. Um, that that uh, that it hasn't been maybe just addressed at that at that level at that intercounty level up to now, but things like one example I suppose Chloe would know about gyms. How many intercounty gyms over the country are do female codes not have access to? And like that, even if you know if they were getting access to the county gym, they would probably save I don't know two or three grand over the course of a year, maybe five grand, and that money then could be spent on physio or gear or nutrition or whatever else it is that'll help prompt the experiences of the female players. That's one simple example, I suppose, of a practical solution. And then, like, I suppose, like, is is the elephant in the room or one of the elephants in the room, like, well, so clubs are happy to work together with, with around some of these things and the organisations are working together on some matters, but is it the kind of, is it the cost and the financial investment that this is going to require is that what's putting them all off? Is that why they're all stepping away from it or kind of trying to avoid dealing with this one for another while? Um, I don't know. I suppose it has to come from Central first. That's mm. There probably has to be some sort of directive. Um, at the minute, it's too easy just to say we're different organisations on our problem. So um, it has to come from some kind of Central directive or um, I suppose... It doesn't have to, like the, any county tomorrow morning could choose we're going to do the right thing and, you know, try and equalise the experience of the four codes as best we can. Um, I don't know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's counties doing their, I'm sure there's a really good individuals within counties doing their best as well to try and, you know, work on behalf of the female players and and try and like, represent the county as one unit. Um, but I'm sure it is, I'm sure it's a big ask for, for everyone to get their heads around the financial aspect of this. But like all I can say is that the resources are there. Like you look at the, the, the footprint of Gaelic games across Ireland and Irish society and culture, 
um, like the GA's turnover, I suppose, is well documented, and the, the growth in the female game is is just unanimous across the world. So sponsors are demanding it, and coverage is growing, and attendances are growing. So I suppose investing in the the growth side of your market is a wise move. Um, so I suppose that's where the the leadership has to come from 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 Croke Park um, to to try and positively influence on the ground with the counties. Yeah, so then while that process is going on and if it's slow, um when when you came together on Monday and talked about being on like like playing championship under protest, what does that look like practically? What does that mean in terms of making sure that, you know, plenty of noise was made last week, we're having this conversation now, but what does that mean in terms of making sure that everyone knows this conversation and this passion and this energy to correct this is not going to fade or go away um Gemma might be able to speak more formally on it but um for the let's say was it during the week there Gemma we had a it's probably one of the biggest calls you've had uh, recently with all the female and county reps um so there's definitely an appetite um I think just by the showing of people who came on a call there during the week just to see um, just to formalise, potentially, um, had we not heard any positive movement on what we've asked for. Um, and so there are matches this weekend. There's matches for the next few weekends. And we've, and Gemma might be able to speak uh, more towards it, but there are one or two things that we'd like to do because we don't want this to fall away. Um, we're, and I think that's important to know that we're very serious about what we've um, envisaged to do from Monday on. Um, so Gemma might be able to speak more on that part. Yeah, I think Alan, just at the minute, um, everybody's kind of wondering what under protest looks like. And it's it's just probably what's directed by the players um week to week, depending on progress with the associations. Um, there's been no, I suppose, positive moves this week. So there'll definitely be a protest uh this week that'll that'll probably be the the weekend after when by the time the podcast goes out, but um, there will be, and it probably will escalate in the following weeks because um, that sense of frustration amongst players probably won't be um, won't be in any way improved um, with the, as the weeks go on. So it's just there's nothing ruled in, nothing ruled out. Um, I suppose keeping it on public conversations is the, the, the one of the primary objectives of it as well, um, and trying just to encourage the associations to just to meet the players. Um, and start discussing this. So we'll just have to see how it goes. I don't, I don't know what, what way it's going to escalate either. But the right. players will be um, making the decisions on what happens next. And is that why you know, say someone's or if someone said, "Hey, like, why are you doing this now? Like, why not wait till uh, postseason where things settle down a bit and you can have your negotiations?" But is that, I suppose, is that part of the motivation to do that now to use the platform and to use the. I suppose the um like the attention that's on the games to your advantage to make sure that people are very crystal clear on what has been going on and where this needs to get to by the time 2024 comes around. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. I think there's five, five or six weeks to the the Camogie final like it's such a short window and then I suppose the, and this is where the, the shared experiences of the since the GPA and WGPA have integrated the negotiations generally on the, I suppose, the male side uh, take a lot longer than uh, even than initially planned. I suppose so. I suppose there's there's a consciousness of timelines there and the the urgency to to start something because 
uh, pre-season 2024 is probably just around the corner when you'll go by in the blink of an eye. So this is the window. And then after the Inter-County Championship's over, it will be back to club and everyone will have their heads down and uh, probably going away on holiday to lie up on a beach supper and enjoy themselves. So... And you, Chloe, obviously as a as a player, you know, like, was there any part of you that thinks, oh, I could just, let's just get through the season and we'll worry about it afterwards? Like, was that kind of, was your feeling similar around that in terms of maximising this time to to push on with it? Uh, no, never. <laughs> um, I've, I've always been very passionate. I think, um, you know, one of my role models was Deirdre Murphy and she had a huge impact in first setting up uh, WGPA there along with Gemma and the likes. And... Um, she'd be very one. She'd be very much one to speak her mind, um, but do so by going through all the right channels and doing things the right way. And I think, I think we've, um, I think we're doing this the right way, and I think it's the right thing to do. And I think Maria Curley alluded to it during the week to Bray footballer that, I like, I, I probably like this potentially might be my last year. I more than likely won't see the benefit of it, but I would still have friends playing. Um, like I always ask people and you shouldn't have to, you should like, I mean, you should have just a general consciousness of humanity. But if you had a daughter or um, I have a niece, um, a baby niece, and if she's grown up and I was part of something that, you know, that I thought was wrong and I've thought that I've been wrong for a while, um, what did I do about it? Um, well, I didn't do anything. Uh, sorry, I didn't do anything. So now it's your turn to do something. Like I want to try leave my care jersey in a, in a much better place and I know people probably think this that and the other of me that maybe I'm so vocal on it but I I suppose it's very hard for me to comprehend how someone can say well it's okay for um that man to have it but you can't have it because you're a woman and like I know we're all waiting for integration and you know we're very respectful of that process like players completely understand that these those type of boardroom and committees and formalization takes um a long time i completely get that point but um like the facts and figures from the state of play report are right there in front of people and it's one of many reports many stories that have come out and i just find it hard for someone to look at that and go oh well like yeah and then you're looking at them going okay well how like what what's the solution and they're like i don't know that's that's not my problem, you know, and that's what it feels like. It feels like we're just not being listened to. It feels like people don't care for our welfare. Um, it feels like just people don't really care for female sports, you know, or female intercounty um, athletes. But, you know, we want you to be role models. Um, but, you know, do it off your own money, basically, your own time and basically for your own welfare. Um, kind of. So I think it's in my head, and I could be wrong, but it seems like this could be a stepping stone to, or like could be a massive thing where the GA, the Camogie Association, LGBA come together and go, okay, let's just sort out this document. What can we all do to try and come up with a solution here? Like, it's, we don't need to wait for any foreign process. This is just a document where they can all just come in, help, and then say, well, we all worked on that together. Like, it's a stepping stone to integration because you're not going to kick your fingers and integration happened on a Monday and that's it. Now everything is integrated. It's not going to happen that way. There are going to be steps involved. Why can't this be one of the first? And it would have, like, I can't explain the impact this would have um, on, like, this is a, like, Irish women's sports, this would be huge. Um, and I hope that NGB realise that impact it would have. Um, 
like even for young girls just to see that like they're going to the pitch um and they're wondering you know why is it different just because you know of my gender but what why are things different so i think that's the huge thing is that i think Gemma had alluded to that earlier but like we're wondering why there's so much dropout from sport when they get to um be teenagers um i would go as far as say that this like issues like this from women's sports across Ireland would have an impact well they're not we don't get treated as great it doesn't look great it doesn't seem as important because that's essentially the message we're getting as players you're not as important so that's it which is hard for us to take and it's very hard for me to take so I'm absolutely in favour of anything that will make people realise um, what's going on like as, as I'm listening to you there, Chloe, and again, I can totally just sense the frustration of, of a lifetime of experience of this. And I thank you, like, for your honesty on that and obviously for your passion. But, like, as I'm listening to you there, I kind of, I, I think about you having, like, those day-to-day conversations or when people push back on you with regards to some of this stuff. And, you know, one of the stuff you'd often hear, and I'm sure you both have heard this and maybe more, you get, like, oh, well, they're different organizations, so they have to do it in a way that's self-sustainable, for example, right? Um but also the organizations have acknowledged that integration is happening and it's all going to be under the one umbrella. Um, so that point is almost mute, is it? Like when you get that, is, is that still kind of one of the points you get pushed back on regularly in your day to day? I was kind of curious about that. Um, well, from my point of view, yeah. Like, you, like you're, you're kind of, people are saying, well, it's different. You're different organizations. So, but in my head, as far as I'm aware, 18 months ago, the membership voted for integration to happen. So, like, you know, I, you know I've mentioned it, we, we can't wait for formal integration to happen for these issues that are being presented. There's people's welfare, there's a cost, you know. Um, I don't know, I don't see that as a, I, you know, but, yeah. I think that argument's just totally outdated now, Alan, to be honest. Um, sponsors want that uh, a membership have voted with their feet. The motion brought to GA Congress was integration in order to deliver equal investment recognition and opportunity for everyone in Gaelic Games. Um, and there was some interesting comments, I think, from, from Tom Ryan to Central Council last weekend as well. They're, they're trying to grapple with um, achieving gender balanced board on the, the GAA as per Sport Ireland requirements. Um, and it just reflected on the number of girls that play they're members of the GA until they're like 12 year old. They play they play GA games. Um, the number of female club delegates um sitting on committees, um, the number of females attending GA games is almost 50-50. Um, and I think one of the lines that was quoted in one of the articles this week was the GA is as accountable to women as it is to men. So they're saying it themselves as well. So I don't know, it's just it's just um just time to move on with it now. Because that's like, do you like, do you both feel like you're kind of being trapped or like kind of limited or punished by like the politics of all this needing to happen? And again, Chloe, you've said acknowledging that it does take time, and we absolutely there's a there's an acceptance and acknowledgement of that. But it also sounds like at the same time, like if these organisations are serious about coming together and actually becoming formerly the GA family that there's an opportunity there to make that commitment to make an investment and say listen this is going to take some time to figure out but as a sign of good faith and as a gesture of getting towards where we want to be here's a stopgap like per year or whatever or here's like a short-term commitment to inter-county players until we figure out how we're going to make this work as a whole um I think for me that would be like I've said it'd be a massive stepping stone I would feel 
like, like that we're being listened to or that you are just as important. Like, absolutely. I see the issues that you're having or that your group, you know, your inter-county females are having. Let, let's try figure this out. Um, at the moment, it feels like we don't really care. Not our problem. Washing our hands of that. And if all three organisations are doing that, well, then, you know, who's looking out for us, really? And in all my time playing inter-county camogie, really, um, and I've no bother saying it, the GPA have been absolutely like a godsend. And you could go to any county team and um, they'd tell you that as well. From a female point of view, we'd be, I, I'm, it's scary to think where we'd be if the GPA hadn't come along and um, I suppose fought first for the government grant. Um, I feel very looked after as a, you know, as a human first almost before being a player um, through the GPA. Um, but when it comes to Camogie and LGFA, and maybe the GA, it's just a very much, you know, fend for yourself because not our problem. And then as that process, as this kind of goes on, Chloe, in terms of male intercounty players, so like the whole Players Voice podcast series has been done. I know you've been on it before with Shane in episode two. Like we've been doing episodes where we, and I know for a fact male and female players are listening to each, each of these episodes. So, if I was to ask you, Chloe, in terms of how male intercounty players can help support this stand up and help achieve that, I suppose equality is kind of what everything's going towards and building towards, but also there's just like a need for change immediately that might not be fully there. How can how can male intercounty players help the group and help you in the, in these next couple of weeks and months? Um. Yeah. Look, I think. That would be huge. I mean, I hear it from Shana, and to be fair, he is very good to back it up. Um, I understand as an intercounty player, he'd be very busy. Um, I think even just like on social media, even if it's just like, you know, having those conversations or, or backing up what we're saying, because, you know, this week we're trying to really get the message out that we just want the minimum standards charter. And I think if male intercounty players, if it's a simple retweet, if it's just a click of a button, things like that, just to show um because really like at the moment intercounty um males are seen as heroes and like gods and i completely get that and they and for just for the record they deserve everything that they get it is incredibly hard to play um you know at, at the level that we're playing at and we i don't begrudge them not one thing that they get like it's um i think things you do just to play intercounty but it would be great even just to get that support even if it's just from social media you know because I think something as small as that, it, it, you know, something low impact for them, but would have a huge impact for us just to say that, listen, we're standing with you. And um, I know in Claire and just even from Shane, like being with Shane every day, like he'd be nearly just as cross as me, his partner Orla plays with me as well. So he's getting it from uh, myself and Orla, like, and he's listened to it and he can't understand it either. Like for him, it would it's a, a no-brainer as well. And from everybody I've talked to this week, no-brainer, like it's not making sense. Um, so I just like I hope something comes a bit um, uh, sooner rather than later to be honest and Gemma I'll throw the same question to you there like I was just I just asked Chloe around the how male players can help support because again if anyone doesn't know like and originally there was the WGPA and the GPA and those organisations have fully integrated and are now one and it's the same like the same resource the same staff and trying to fight for players on both fronts I suppose the same question to you then is if you're suppose we're lucky to know that male and female players have been listening to each episode of the player's voice. And I suppose just to ask you, for anyone is listening, 
particularly male player in terms of being an ally or helping to support this, what can they do? Um, I suppose they're already helping Alan, to be honest with you, through the, the, the GPA. Now our NEC and our board are 50-50 gender split on that. So the lads are absolutely fully behind this as well. Um, and it has been, I suppose, communicated to all members, male and female, this week that um, initially the protest was just the female players, but that at some point in the future it may need to include both the male and female players and male players will be consulted on that, I suppose, if, mm-hmm. it, if it ever becomes a live option. Um, probably Chloe's point, just keeping it in conversation is the big thing. Um, you know, we've an awful lot of players doing media and uh, past players doing media as well. So there's, there's such just, it's just using their profile to, to support the United for Equality um, campaign. Um and absolutely know they've got our backs um, if and when needed. Because um, there's, you know, there's just, since integration, I suppose, there's just that sense of solidarity as well that the players are all in it together. So it's it's great to have the lads on side. Yeah, because I, th- I think that would be such a powerful example if down the line, obviously, I know you say under protest and we'll see how the next couple of weeks goes. But regardless of how those neg- negotiations go, I think it'd be so powerful to see that kind of the inclusivity and quality because knowing that the W, like it is just the GPA now, I think it's a great example of both male and female players working together for the betterment of each other, but also of of the game and, and for future generations. And like I was going to ask you as well, like, so that like say the GPA is a great example of how organizations have come together, um, merged and, Yes, there's some there's some weeds to go through and to tidy things up and to prune to make it work. But it, when there's a when there's a will, there is a way with most of these things. And I was going to ask you from an international perspective or from a wider perspective, is there any other organisations you have managed this kind of friction or this tension? Like, for example, like if it's the AFL or if it's the Premier League or whatever that is in, in soccer in England, in terms of how the male organisations are starting to work with the I suppose the female organizations traditionally to try and bring it together or to try help it advance. Are you talking about associations or player bodies or e- I either? suppose either or Gemma, yeah, just in terms of actually good examples of how this is because I think we all acknowledge and our conversation has acknowledged multiple times that there is complexities and there is challenges to it. But I suppose best practice or examples of this actually know like this is working. Like I think on a previous episode, for example, I talked to Cora Staunton about her time in the AFL and I think she had mentioned that there was a shared fund or a pot where the male game was driving some revenue or income to the female game to help it grow, to help it develop. So that's just one example. Yeah. Well, um, that is a very good live example as well because I suppose it was initially a male-only organisation and they've obviously established the female uh, arm of that, if you like, within the last sort of, is it five or seven years? The players previously had a separate agreement and they're in the process currently of negotiating the first joint agreement where the females would get a share of the, the revenue from the male game towards their um, their contracts and investing in their game and their supports and things like that. Um, there are other sports, I suppose, and probably the Australian soccer is a good example as well. Like they're very... There's loads of good examples from soccer where they have equal prize money and the players have voluntarily, even the soccer in Ireland, um, the, the national team, where they they chose to distribute their prize money equally from, or was it match fees equally? Um, so there's loads of examples like that. Um, and I suppose, it's, it, I suppose whenever you're looking at Gaelic Games, it probably is actually a really cool thing that Gaelic Games could be a world-leading example of gender equality. 
um, to get this right because because of the amateur nature of it, we just have a, a clean slate to, to to make equality central to everything that the new association for Gaelic Games does. You're not fighting over salaries um, and contracts and things like that, which which makes it an awful lot easier to be able to embed equality in terms of looking after people um, and how things are administered. Um, and there are probably other examples there. There's an awful lot of, I suppose, the, the, the professional leagues, there's more examples maybe where there's there's separate associations for male and female um, parts of the, the sport. So there has to be separate um, sort of nearly agreements. Um, that's the like of sort of the, the soccer and the basketball teams in America. Um, soccer seems to be doing well. Um, and um, you see sports grappling with it too, I think. The fact that women's, especially maybe rugby is an example where the women's section of the sport is the growing market. So I suppose what previously has been male dominated is trying to grapple with um, bringing the females in and bringing up the standards, making the game competitive um, and helping to um, capture that that growing audience and growing participation. Um, so it's an exciting time. It's a really exciting time for Gaelic Games, and there's such an opportunity to be world leaders in, in gender equality if we get this right. Yeah, I think that's a like that's a point very well made. And like another one of the things is while we're talking, I kind of throw out those kind of those kind of things people say because we've always said it almost. And like one of them would be, you know, that like, well, growing crowds at games and you've got to get it up. But I think it's important to know here that like, say in the GA world, like you can go to a Division 4 football game and there's a couple of hundred people there or you can go to a, a hurling game that it's not all these games are 50, 60,000 people. But I suppose th- using that, there's a couple of big days that help pay for the wider family and the wider picture. So I just kind of want to point that out that like I've heard it said to me that like, you know, I'm sure if there was more people at the games, they could have this stuff. But it's that's not a fair comparison and it's not like... It, that argument doesn't really stack up anymore because you, if it's an under 20 male intercounty team are getting looked after better than some of the stuff you've talked about. Again, I repeat it, if it's a lower end hurling game, they're being looked after better. And I just kind of want to, I suppose, say that point because I certainly feel like it's it's now redundant. And do you hear that? Like, do you hear that argument at that point made to you on a day to day or have you heard that one regularly? Um, from my experience, maybe, yeah, that, that one might be kind of gross sometimes or Camogie has to support Camogie or li- like, well, I, you know, I go to hurling matches, I go to f- football matches, I've seen great Camogie games, I've seen really poor hurling games, I've seen brilliant ladies football games, I've seen very bad men's football, like there's no, like it's just, it's the, it's Gaelic games, it's GA, like, and really I, I don't know if I ever see myself as a camogie player and I don't know if someone sees themselves as a ladies footballer. They're a Gaelic footballer, they're a hurler. We're all, you know, just playing a game or national sport. Um, so I suppose for, from that point of view, that's, you know, or you hear about the, you know, women not generating the same amount of money. Like, like I, you know, and I've, I've kind of broached that already. I don't think, like, you can look at that two ways, almost like on an equity thing as well. Like we, where we've started from in comparison to where, maybe um males have started from counterparts and like we we've done an amount of climbing to try reach almost you know um in terms of resources and things but we just all three need to work together i think to really push it on to try get that level of equality but you hear sometimes 
sport being spoken as a business and like you know I set up my gym and the first day when it didn't make any money I didn't so you know I'm not doing this anymore I didn't make any money that's it like you have to invest 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 and then even from beyond that I think sports like sport is sport and it's so important for society and I think sport is like such a cultural thing for Irish society and especially our national sports and for people to be thrown out you know go support your own first you don't make as much money as this so you don't get it like I don't know I think we're I think surely we're beyond that now when people have you know a little bit more knowledge and cop on to be like no that argument doesn't stand you know and I think it's very hard to hear sometimes because Dom was just like I just I don't know I, I I have to be politically correct here as well it's just it doesn't make much sense to me those things like if you if you think men and women's um just even in general should be treated the same then what are the solutions to that and how do we all come up with solutions instead of coming up with arguments and trying to poke holes in it yeah and I think just that, that's kind of why I brought up those one or two like stereotypes or cliches because sometimes like we just Sometimes we just say stuff because that's what we've always said. And and it's actually trying to unlearn some of that and challenge our thinking. And then, as you said, just there, Chloe, like pushing forward to find solutions to it. And I'm sure you, you, you've both been in way more conversations than I do have. But like, when you actually push back sometimes and you say it to someone, most times you get, oh, I actually never thought of it like that. And it's just because they're just repeating and regurgitating what's been there for years and years in terms of that layered inequality. Um, and I suppose as we wrap up, I kind of throw it to both of you in regards to, I suppose, final words on how you're feeling as of right now, what you're trying to achieve and what kind of the most important takeaways from this conversation are. And I'll just throw it open-ended to you both to to bounce off each other and, and we'll wrap up there. Yeah, look, I suppose proud of um, us as players. Um, like Jim, I said, you know, we'll be killing each other, you know, this weekend and next weekend, but for us to come together and stand up for something that we've believed in and for the last number of years. And I think to progress what's been started by the GPA and to try to progress that. It's I'm, And I'm just glad that I'm on the right side of it. I know we're right and I'm glad to be on the right side of it. Um, I think, you know, trying to funnel my frustration to something that's going to be worthwhile and trying to come up with a solution. I really want to be part of the solution. Um, so I hope we can try and achieve that like and I just I suppose to finish off like our like our ask is very very simple like we just want a player's charter in place for 2024 um, for minimum standards that's all we're looking for for the three organisations to come in together and go let's work on this as a stepping stone to formal integration why can't we work on this right now I don't have much more to add to that um, just again yeah probably Feeling, uh, feeling proud, very, very proud um, that these girls are willing to to stand up for what they believe in, and um, you know, doing this. Nobody wants to be doing this. I'd rather be getting on with games and um, recovery time and whatever else is important to focus on at this time of year. Um, I suppose just um, probably slightly apprehensive maybe about what the next few weeks will hold I would only love if there was a resolution um next week and something could come together to just say look we're okay we're green light let's go it'd be a really good news story actually to as I say is here's a really positive milestone on the on the journey towards integration let's all get around the table and start talking about how we can make things better for intercounty ladies football and camogie players like it's just such a win-win um 
So hopeful, I suppose, is another thing. Whenever you whenever you verbalize that, like it, it, it does, it brings you around to the positive side of things that there is hope there. Um and and probably just uh probably just just proud, I suppose, as well to be part of the a sort of a player movement when you're when you're working in the, a player association and, and probably see some of the movements that have, have gone on in other parts of the world. Um, you know, it it's um it reinforces you that when the players stick together and there's unity they can bring about positive change. So um so just yeah, probably probably just delighted to be part of of that bigger, bigger piece that's going on across the world. Now thank you so much for for both sharing sharing your thoughts and, and insights both to, to that question, but also over the last hour or so. Um I feel really privileged and lucky to have had this conversation. I wish you nothing but the best in the coming weeks as you continue to fight for for this and and what's right. And I suppose, as you said there, Gemma, like there's so many examples of players coming together to create positive change and to make change happen. There's also such a good opportunity for the GA to stand up and be a global leader and to really um, show a path forward, both in Irish society and wider. And I suppose my last thought on it is just as, as I've listened to you both for the for the last hour, it just seems very obvious that we can do better and we need to and we should. And good luck in the next couple of weeks and months making that happen. But I know everyone listening today will have benefited from your insights and perspective. And if anyone is listening from a from a player or even non-player wants to, wants to follow up or get in touch or ask how they can help, I'd encourage them to do so. But Chloe Mori, Gemma Begley, thanks so much for joining us on The Player's Voice. Thank you, Alan. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of The Player's Voice, which is brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. To listen to previous episodes with leading inter-county GA players like Patrick Horgan, Niall Morgan, Leah Caffrey and Ashing Thompson, make sure to subscribe by searching The Player's Voice on whatever podcast platform you prefer. And while there, you would really be helping us out if you rated or reviewed the show. My name is Alan O'Mara, and to find out more about my work as a performance and wellbeing consultant, go to www.realtalks.ie. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram if you have any feedback about this episode or want to suggest any future guests. And please don't forget, you can find out more about the GPA's BO360 programme by visiting bo360.gaelicplayers.com. Thanks for listening.